Chapter 17 of the Friendly Five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Isaacs, www.nancyisaacs.net. The Friendly Five by Mary C. Hungerford. Chapter 17. Lily's Preachment. Tomorrow the machinery stops for two weeks, said Lily as she critically examined her Sunday gown before laying it in her trunk. Aren't you glad of it? I am, said Edna, rather spitefully throwing her lady's reader into the back of a closet. Not so very, cause why? The machinery's got to begin again in a fortnight. And it's hard to pick up the shovel and de oh 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 after you've left them lie idle while you've scraped a fiddle with de bow oh oh said and sang Lily, still poring over her crimson surge. Aha! I have him, she continued. Have what? The small but deadly American bison, the reveler in wool, the destroyer of homes the blighter of clothes the living eating riotous buffalo bug here in the folds of my crimson gown i traced his fell path now eureka i have found him and in the interest of my fellow mortals i will impale him on a pin and broil him on a burning match poor little bug said elfie watching him shrivel he don't mind it much said lily or if he did he doesn't now i'm not fond of killing things pet but buffalo bugs must die is it not so fellow citizens the fellow citizens to whom she appealed were represented by edna katie marion fanny and bell they all laughed except bell she looked very solemn Oh, my dear Belle, said Lily, was Mr. Buffalo Bug a friend of yours? Your smileless face, your solemn eyes terrify me. This tragedy has wounded you. Oh, how little did I think that the pale martyr, no, I beg his pardon, the brown and yellow fuzzy martyr at the stake was dear to you. Why was I born to make you suffer thus? stop said fanny you're too silly for anything lily what ails bell is that she don't like to go home tomorrow without telling mrs abbott that we went to the station alone and why doesn't she tell asked lily growing grave instantly because i don't want her to said fanny the thing is past and gone and there's no use in reviving it that's where you're right said edna what a fool you'd be to go and tell on yourselves now mrs abbott never will find out if you don't tell and what bell wants to get herself and you into a muss for i for one don't see there was some danger i thought myself that the delightful young man would speak of it to her but he's evidently a fraud no man who wanted to put his sister at school would climb up and grin at the girls over the back fence hardly 
said Fanny. And I'm glad you think as I do. Belle's too tiresome for anything. Fanny, you said yourself that you couldn't bear to keep a thing back just for fear of marks or punishment, said Belle. Well, I didn't say I'd never smile again, did I? I'm awfully sorry we went to the station. It was taking a mean advantage of Miss Blake when she asked us to wait for her at the milliner's. It was tricky, and I don't defend it. But I do say that as we did let the time for talking go by, there's no use raking the matter up now. Why don't you tell, Belle, if Fanny won't? asked Katie, who was writing some last pages in her diary, and so had not been an attentive listener. What a sneaky idea, said Belle, rousing herself from the gloom which had settled upon her. I can't tell without involving Fanny, and I won't be such a sneak as to do that. Now, my little children, said Lily, let me give you a leaf out of my experience. The first year I was here, I stole a pie. I did. I stole a pie. I did. It doesn't seem like a crime to me now. It seems rather funny, but I used to lie awake nights thinking of it then. It happened upon this wise, my little dears. One of the girls was going to give a rampage, that is, a nightgown party after bedtime. Mrs. Abbott has put a stop to that species of entertainment, and I don't know as I am sorry, for we used to take terrific colds flying about in our fairy-like attire. We always indulged in some form of refreshment, generally crackers and peanuts. The latter article of diet, I may remark in passing, was apt to produce pallor the next morning. The night in question, don't I sound like a magazine article? We found ourselves minus even the sober cracker and the festive peanut, and one of the girls dared me to steal down the back stairs and hook. That is what she called it. I keep nothing back. Hook a pie. She didn't say, hook, hook a pie, but I have noticed that authors always express things that way. So I repeated the word. Well, to resume, in my callow youth I held that to dare, meant to do. So I did. I hide me to the dark and gruesome kitchen, crept stealthily to the pantry, and crawled through the window that communicated with a dining-room pantry. Ah, the recollection paralyzes me. Not a drum was heard, not a funeral note, as the pie up the dark stairs I carried. Let me hasten to the end before emotion overcomes me. At the top of the stairs were a group of white-clad ghosts, semi-distinct in the faint light that a clouded moon sent through the skylight. Some of the ghosts giggled. Some said, shh, shh, and the phantom sounds disturbed Miss Blake, I think, for a door opened far around the corner and a glimmer of light approached. The ghosts vanished and sheltered themselves in various beds where their slumbers became intense. I could not fly to a bed because I dared not take another step forward, for the stately form with a dim nightlight had turned the corner. I was near the top of the stairs when the distant ray first appeared. I reached the stolen treasure up to the girls and flew swiftly downstairs again and through the schoolroom to the front hall. I knew everybody was in bed. 
and up the front stairs to my room which was over in the new part as a cruel fate decreed the girls were in too great a panic to secure the pie i handed up to them and left it on the floor my beloved hearers cease these frivolous howls of laughter the matter is serious the pie was pumpkin and miss blake stepped in it lily's listeners were shrieking with laughter over her droll recital but she preserved a preternaturally solemn expression which still more excited their mirth girls said she at last i intended this for a preachment and how am i to give you the moral unless you refrain from this untimely mirth <laughs> oh lily don't look so funny gasped katie throwing herself on the bed and holding her sides don't look at me but listen then for i only told the story to get the moral in so i can't skip it i wanted to tell mrs abbott i took the pie but the girls wouldn't let me i was just about as happy in my mind and jovial in my countenance as belle seems to be was there any fuss made asked edna oh plenty miss blake was very angry at the outrage she called it and seemed to think the pie was planted there for a sort of trap to catch her in mrs abbott talked about it in school in that solemn sweet way of hers and said she would like the offender to come to her room i wasn't brave enough to accept that invitation in defiance of the girls and the next morning she made a new rule forbidding any girl to go into another one's room after bedtime at last the burden of my secret grew too tormenting and three weeks after the lark i crawled into her room and confessed what did she say asked fanny and belle together oh i wither up small when i think of it she looked up from her kensington work and said in the calmest way i knew it was you dear for i saw you fly up the front stairs i was in the dark closet in the hall groping for an extra blanket and old margaret found a narrow roman ribbon the next morning that had been tied around a braid in the dining-room pantry i recognized the ribbon as yours and she took it from her desk and handed it to me you must have felt cheap oh my and i felt worse still when she took my hand and said lily i have not cared a straw for your taking the pie but it has hurt me to learn you were not high-principled enough to own what you had done there i had been playing the innocent and unconscious and she knew what i had done and she had never told miss blake i tell you belle mrs abbott is an angel and ever since that time i have preferred telling her anything to keeping it to myself is that the moral asked edna perhaps you don't see it well i'll make it plainer don't conceal your omissions and commissions from mrs abbott and fanny you'll be more comfortable if you let belle go and tell her fanny hesitated a moment then half sullenly gave her permission and belle flew off on her not-too-easy errand the other girls went off in different directions all but marion who surprised lily by seizing both her hands and exclaiming 
Oh, dear, dear Lily, I thank you so. You are extremely welcome, Lily said with a greatly puzzled gaze at her, although I hardly see why you should be so grateful simply because my eloquence persuaded poor Belle into a penitential PPC on Mrs. Abbott. Perhaps I wakened your conscience. Have you stolen a pie or taken a trip to the station? Marian laughed, but did not explain, and her heart was very light, for now Mrs. Abbott could ask Belle all the questions she wanted and learn all the particulars of the girl's encounter with a suspicious young man. End of chapter 17 Recording by Nancy Isaacs, www.nancyisaacs.net